Help, we don't have anything in common anymore. Eight ways to find and develop things you have in common in your marriage. This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Together, we're learning how to make marriage and love better. For notes and references, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash common. I'm four years old, and I'm riding in a shopping cart. But I'm not riding in a place where kids normally ride. I'm in the basket area where my mom puts all the stuff that she buys. The store is called Kmart. It's this huge store that has a little bit of everything. My mom likes to shop here because they have these blue light specials. While you're shopping, this blue light starts flashing in a certain area of the store, and that means there's a sale in that department. I love it when the blue light comes on because my mom takes off with me in the cart, and it's like I'm on a roller coaster ride. But I like Kmart because it has toys, and my mom would take me down the toy aisle if I asked. I know we have everything we need, but I also know that we don't always have extra So I knew not to ask for any of the big toys, but there was one little toy that I knew if I asked for, I would probably get. And maybe you've heard of it. They're called Matchbox cars. They're these little tiny die-cast metal cars that come in all kinds of different types and colors. Sometimes I get the Hot Wheels, which are like tricked-out Matchbox cars, but they're a few cents more. They have maybe bigger tires or the engine sticking out of the hood. But I'm fine with just the plain Matchbox cars because they're just as fun. When we get home, I run straight outside with my new Matchbox car and my little collection with me. My mom is watching me through the window over the kitchen sink while she catches up on the dishes. When she's ready for me to come in, she'll holler my name out the window. And then if I don't come right away, she'll say my whole name. She's Jason Regan Parham. And I know that means like I'm in trouble and I need to run inside. So I'm outside playing with with my Matchbox cars by myself at a stump. The stump was cool because my dad had cut down the tree that had been there, and it was just an awesome place to play cars. Then I noticed a person jumping our chain-link fence and coming into our yard. I don't know him, but I know he's an older kid in our neighborhood. So he walks up to me, gets on his hands and knees, and offers to play Matchbox cars. I don't know how long we're going to play, but it's great just to have someone to play with. Right now, in this moment, I know that I have a friend. This person has made my day. I didn't know that someday I would be a 44-year-old man digging through a big box of Matchbox cars trying to find the perfect ones for his $3. I would go home, get on my hands and knees, and play cars with them because I want to be like that friend who made my day when I was a little boy. And I hope someday they'll buy those little cars for their kids and make their day. To some people, they're just cheap little toys. But to me, they are points of connection with the people I love. And it's those connections that make life worth living. So here's a quote from Dr. Seuss. To the world, you may be one person. But to one person, you may be the world. My wife asked me this question a couple of weeks ago. Do we have anything in common? 
I said, sure. Then I tried to name all the wonderful things that we have in common. It was kind of embarrassing after I said our children. I found some, but it did take some time. The world has become like a really small place. With email, mobile phones, and social media networks, you can connect with people all over the world instantly. But you can lose the connection to the person who's the closest to you. Time, life, and responsibilities, they all have a way of disconnecting lovers. I mean, even entertainment has become way too personal over the past decade. Whether you're watching a show or playing a game, you're probably doing it solo. I mean, most people are caught up in their own lives in entertainment online. If you're not careful, your love can get broken and you'll find yourself married to a person you feel like you have nothing in common with. It's like everything pushes you apart and you lose that connection that made your love special to begin with. So what do you do when you wake up one day and you realize that you have nothing in common with your spouse? Okay, let's figure this out together. I have to admit that this has been a recent struggle in my own marriage. I said that my wife actually asked the question. And so Amber and I are looking for ways to reconnect with each other and discover more things that we have in common. So if you have an idea to help us, you can leave a comment under the show notes at fixeruppermarriage.org slash common. So here's a table of contents. Eight ways to find things you have in common. Number one, schedule time just to talk. Number two, treat each other like best friends. Number three, start fresh in your relationship. Number four, try some new things together. Number five, get involved with the things that your spouse likes. Number six, reminisce over your relationship history. Number seven, recognize and rejoice over demonstrations of love. And number eight, work on your faith together. So here we go. Number one, schedule time just to talk. Okay, this is a big one. To have things in common, you have to take the time to talk and listen to each other. But taking that time is the real challenge. Or maybe I should say making that time. So you have to be intentional about talking. Do whatever works for you, but whatever you do, do something that works. You have to make time to talk to each other. And when you do, be sure to take turns talking and listening to each other. It's not good if one person just dominates the conversation. Here are some conversation starters that you might find helpful. How was your day? What are your plans for tomorrow? So this is a great question just Be careful that it doesn't come across as pressuring them. You don't want to stress your spouse out. Okay, what was the best thing that happened to you today? My wife is a big college basketball fan. And every year after what's called March Madness, which is the NCAA basketball tournament, we didn't have it this year because of the coronavirus pandemic. But someone makes, every year someone makes a highlight video with all the big moments from the tournament. It's called One Shining Moment. So sometimes I'll ask my wife, what was your one shining moment for today? It could be something big or something small, but it's like one good thing that happened today. What are your favorite things that you've done together? To think about all the favorite things that you've done helps you to connect. Okay, what are some of the things you would like to do together? So this could be anything as small as walk around the block till we can get away. 
but it gives you a look into some things that your spouse likes or wants and some things that you could have in common. So do you have any conversation starter ideas? You can just leave them in the comments under the show notes at fixeruppermarriage.org slash common. Talking is what makes your relationship work. It's what made your relationship to start with. I mean, even though at first, like, the talks are a little corny, right? I mean, let's face it, people act dumb when they're in love, especially new love. But just talking is what matters the most. You just can't have a relationship without talking to each other. When you don't take the time to talk, it's like you're smothering your love. And it won't take long for that love to completely die out. You can't leave your spouse out of your life and expect them to stay in love with you. Here's some things that can work against your relationship. Jobs or careers. Your work schedule can affect your time and your relationship together. And you have to learn to be intentional about taking that time to talk. You have to make that time. So when you're making decisions in your working life, like the schedule that you have or the career that you have, you should consider the impact that that job is going to have on your marriage. If you're going to put yourself in a position where you absolutely cannot talk to your spouse, maybe you should consider some sort of career change to make it possible to talk to your spouse. Don't let your career be the death of your love. I mean, in today's high-pressure economic times, I think that happens more than people want to acknowledge. Entertainment can also get in the way of your relationship. There was a time when a couple could sit down in their living room and watch a movie or show together. Now, couples watch movies and shows separately on their personal electronic devices. It's like couples have separate electronic lives. And sometimes those electronics even replace things in your relationship. Like romantic moments are replaced by love stories in a show, a movie, or a book. And unfortunately, they are unrealistic moments. Moments that your spouse can't live up to. Because those are fake moments. Those are made-up Hollywood moments. And pornographic images can even replace intimacy in your marriage. And unfortunately, it makes that intimacy something that your spouse can never live up to. And their children can get in the way of your relationship. The very thing that makes you a family is the very thing that pulls you apart. Kids can take up so much of your time and resources that it becomes hard to make time for each other. But you have to find creative ways to make that time, even when it seems like making that time is work. Because it's true. Sometimes you have to work in order to stay in love. There is this country song that was released in the 90s and it's been sung by several artists over the years. I don't necessarily endorse a song or anyone who sings it, but it illustrates my point. It's titled, I'm a ghost in this house. And the lyrics talk about a person in a house who feels like they are completely ignored and irrelevant. And this is the way that love and marriage can become. You just become like ghosts to each other, living in the same house, but not relating to each other at all. You can make all the excuses that you want, but the reality is you're allowing your love to die. If you don't or won't make time to talk, you are signing the death wish for your love. You absolutely cannot have things in common if you're not talking, so schedule time to talk. Number two, treat each other like best friends. 
Lovers are not just lovers. They're best friends. Happy marriages are based on friendship. And friendship is the one thing that nothing in this world can take from you. In fact, the only thing that can take that away is you. I like the way the wife in the Song of Solomon says it. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. That's Song of Solomon 5, verse 16. Friendship is the foundation. If you're going to have things in common, you're going to have to learn how to be friends first. Friendship is the foundation of your love. Without it, everything else crumbles. That's because it's where your love started. And if you lose it, you can lose everything. I have this chart. If you'd like to visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash common, you can see it. But it's called the Friendship Foundation Chart. And it illustrates this truth. Commitment, trust, and intimacy all sprung from your friendship. And if you take friendship out of your relationship, you will eventually lose all three. Your commitment to each other is based on that initial friendship that you developed in your relationship. So if you take away the friendship, then that commitment has nowhere to ground itself. So you can still be committed to each other, but that commitment will become extremely vulnerable. You also trust each other because you built that trust through your friendship. And when your friendship suffers, so does your trust. Even if your trust has been violated, you can rebuild it over time by rebuilding your friendship. Intimacy also grew out of your friendship. It includes both physical and emotional. So to be frank, without friendship, intimacy is cold, meaningless, and cheap. I can't overstate how important it is to be friends before you are lovers because you can't be lovers without being friends and you just can't have things in common without having that friendship first. Make your spouse your most important friend. There is this trend that started a few years ago and it impacts the English language in a weird way. When mobile phones added the ability to text, people started making up acronyms for common sayings. It makes sense because it makes texting more efficient, especially on those small phones. It's just hard to keep up with all the different acronyms. But many of these acronyms have made it into the general conversation. My daughters were caught up in the BFF craze. It means best friends forever. And trust me, it's filled with preteen and teenage drama. But your spouse should be your BFF. Their friendship should be more important than any other friendship that you have. It should even be more important than family. Your friendship is the most important thing that you have in common with one another. If you don't protect it, you'll lose it. If you think you don't have anything in common anymore, you are probably not best friends anymore either. So treat each other like best friends and I promise you won't regret it. Number three. Start fresh in your relationship. When I was young, my parents bought a Nintendo gaming system. I talked about this a few episodes back, but it was the first generation that they had of of that gaming system. And the games were these large cassette-looking things that you would insert in the console, push it down, and then 
press the power button on the front. But right next to the power button was this button that said reset. When we first got it, I had no idea why that button was there on the front, but I found out pretty soon. For whatever reason, those games after a while would just start messing up. They would freeze, which would be infuriating, or the graphics would just become distorted. This is why they put the reset button on the front. You could just press that button and it would start everything over. Sometimes I would even have to do a little extra work. I'd have to pull the cartridge out. I'd have to blow out all the dust and then reinsert it and start over. But when things got messed up, the best thing to do was just start over. Marriage is kind of like that. When things start to get messed up, you might have to just step back and hit the reset button. It's like saying, let's let go of everything and just give ourselves a fresh start together. So even if you've had some problems and things have not been all that great lately, you can just start over and make those things better from that point on. Starting fresh gives you a chance to clean things up. This gives you an excuse to make some things right and a reason to start doing things differently. It's like when you get on the scales one day and realize how overweight you've become. You think, wow, I've got to change some things in my life. Okay, from now on, I'm going to stop drinking sugary drinks and exercise every day. So when you look at the condition of your marriage and you see all the things that you've been doing wrong, you can just choose to do those things differently from now on. And the great thing is you can do this in your marriage. You can turn things around. It may take some time to get your relationship special and to have that feeling of having things in common again, but you can do it. I think sometimes people wait until their marriage is like completely tanked and then they start trying to fix things. Okay, you can do it that way, but it'll just take more time. It's much better to recognize and accept that you have problems than go ahead and work on those things. Most married couples have Two different identities. There's public and there's private. Most of the time, we just see the public profiles. We see this perfect couple on social media. Or the happily married, pious couple at church. But then there's this ugly reality that all couples struggle in some ways. If somebody acts like they have the perfect marriage, don't believe them. Because they don't. Don't be ashamed that you have things you're struggling with in your marriage because everyone has things like that to some extent or another. I think about how God gives me a fresh start all the time. One of the great things about being a Christian is knowing that God is waiting to give me, waiting and willing to give me a fresh start in my relationship with him when I am ready to acknowledge and repent of my mistakes. It doesn't give me a license to do wrong, but it does give me a chance to restore my relationship with him. Listen to this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. There are times when I've gotten away from God and it took me some time to get back, to get my relationship back to what it was. But he's always waiting and willing for me to come back to him. Loving each other can be the same way if you allow it. 
you can have a fresh start with each other by being ready and willing to forgive each other's mistakes and move on. If you feel like you just don't have things in common anymore, instead of giving up, clean things up in your relationship and discover a fresh start. Hit the reset button. Number four, try some new things together. Trying new things together can create new experiences that you can then have in common. I think about how Jesus put together such an unlikely group of disciples. I love the Bible stories of Jesus and his disciples and how they related to him and each other. He found people that were completely different and put them together. It is almost comical to think about. I personally think that God has a great sense of humor and his selection of his disciples just showed that. He called fishermen, a tax collector. He called a doctor, people of all different careers and statuses of life. Then they all had such different personalities. Peter was a real talker. I mean, Peter talked without thinking. While John said very little, but obviously he thought a lot. I mean, just read the book of John. These guys had very little in common. And under normal circumstances, I don't think they would have anything to do with each other. But Jesus called them to follow and to learn from him. And all the new things that they experienced together became points of common interest. So by going different places, by experiencing Jesus doing miracles, by hearing him teach, they all had these things in common. And from those things they had in common, they built a friendship. You can do the same thing in your marriage by trying some new things together. Try eating at a different restaurant. Even if you end up not liking it, you've gained an experience that you can share with each other. If you're like us, we like eat at the same places like all the time. We have our favorite restaurants. But we don't want to eat at other places because we don't want to be disappointed. But I have to admit, even when we try different places and we're disappointed, we have a lot of fun talking about how bad those places were. And who knows, you may find a new favorite place. But sometimes you can get your life and your marriage in a rut by just doing the same things all the time. Visit somewhere that you've never gone before. Do something new that neither of you has tried and do those things together. Just having those experiences can give you some new things to share in common. Number five, get involved with things that your spouse likes. This is one of those things that are really obvious, but it's so easy to miss. Notice the things that your spouse likes to do and try doing those things with them. It may or may not work out, but it's worth a try. My wife is an amazing cook. She cooks classic home-style meals that are just absolutely incredible. A couple of years ago, because of some health situations, I discovered a love for cooking myself, but I am more of an experimental cook. I just find recipes and mix recipes together and experiment with things and Sometimes this works great and sometimes not so great. You know, but even though we're different styles of cooks, I'm able to come help her cook meals sometimes. And it's a great way for us to spend time together because you can talk while you're cooking. Notice what your spouse likes to do. There are things that your spouse likes to do that you can try. Maybe your husband likes to fish and you could try fishing with him. 
who knows, you may end up liking it. Maybe your husband likes sports. Well, find the sports that he's interested in and learn about those things and try to watch those sports with him. And who knows, you may actually enjoy it. Maybe your wife likes to shop and you can go with her shopping. I don't think this will work with me. When I go shopping, I'm on a mission and I'm in and out as quick as I can. I don't think I can take browsing around. But you know what? Try some things with your spouse. You may like those things. And those are things that you can have in common. Learn to develop common interest. Let me ask you a question. Do you have anything in common with God? Other than the fact that God made man in his own image. (laughs) There's a lot of debate about what that means. But I'm sure your answer is no. But as you read the Bible, you discover things that God is interested in. And if you become interested in the things that God is interested in, then you and God will have those things in common. For example, God is holy. So if you start pursuing holiness in your heart and in your life, you now have a common interest with God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all matter of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. God is also interested in other people coming to faith in him. So if you become interested in other people turning to him, you'll have that in common also. In 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So by... So by becoming interested in the same things, you now have those things in common. It works the same way in marriage. If you can both develop common interest, those interests can become the points of connection that your relationship needs. Number six, reminisce over your relationship history. There is nothing that you have in common more than the life that you share together. Those memories are like fingerprints for your relationship. They are what make your lives together unique. We had a long-distance relationship. My wife lived about three hours away while we dated, so we were married in her church near her house. Then we drove to our honeymoon spot, which was one hour away from my house. So we decided to spend the night at our new house since it was on our way to our honeymoon. The thing is, we didn't want anyone knowing we were there because Then they would crash our honeymoon. So I parked in the backyard and we refused to turn on any lights and we stayed away from the windows because we didn't want anyone interrupting our honeymoon. And I don't think anyone ever knew we were there or even where we were going afterward. But that's a memory that we have together. Talk about your relationship memories. Sit down and talk about the things that have happened in your relationship. I'm sure you'll find most of the things are good But even if there were things that were challenging, those are moments that you shared together. Your history together is like this common point of interest that you both have. So you do have something in common. You have the time that you spent together. And by reliving those moments, you have an opportunity to connect with each other. Just being together gives you things in common. All you have to do is remember and talk about those things. If you're having trouble talking, maybe you could write the things down first or 
put those memories or moments that you want to share in a card and give them to your spouse. I mean, starting anywhere is better than not starting at all. Memories are an important part of your relationship with God. In the Old Testament, God miraculously brought the children of Israel across the Jordan River and into Canaan or the Promised Land. And when they all made it across, they piled 12 stones at the place where they stayed that night. If you'd like to read more, you can read Joshua chapter 4. These stones were designed to be a reminder to the people of what God had brought them from. So when they saw these stones, they could remember what happened. The longer I'm a Christian, the more stones I have to put down in my promised land, the more memories of all the things that God has helped me through that I have. Those memories are what I have that connect me to God. I remember what it was like before I knew him. I remember all the things that we have overcome together. My relationship with him is built on those memories. When I think back on those things, it makes me appreciate knowing him even more. Something similar happens in marriage. Those memories of making it together become the things that connect you. You have your past as a couple in common. So use that past to make your relationship something incredible. Number seven, recognize and rejoice over demonstrations of love. Sometimes the things that you miss are the most valuable things in your relationship. When your spouse does something just for you, take the time to recognize and allow that act of love to become a point of common interest, even if it's something small. And by the way, it may not be so small to your spouse. Use that act to build up your relationship with each other. There's no worse feeling than like when you offer love and it's not returned. It's a simple concept, but years of marriage can rob this from you. When your spouse does something for you, don't dismiss it. Instead, rejoice over it as an act of love. And these things can even become a point of connection if you let them be that. Learn how to demonstrate your love. Do special things for your spouse that have no direct benefit to you. This is when you give and expect nothing in return. Maybe you save your money and you buy something for your spouse. Or you do your spouse's part of the housework for them. Or you offer your spouse an unsolicited back rub. Even the small things are a great way to show your love. How about some flowers and a card for your wife? Or how about giving your husband your undivided attention for a little while. Just thinking about doing things for your spouse can change your relationship for the better. But whatever you do, just do something special for your spouse. And that special thing that you do can become a point of common interest for you both. Learn how to accept demonstrations of love. The best way to reciprocate an act of love is by showing your gratefulness. So recognize the nice, thoughtful things that your spouse does for you. It's kind of basic, but if you want your spouse to do nice things for you, show your appreciation for the things they do, and they'll do more of that. If you wonder why your spouse has stopped doing things for you, it's probably probably because you've been ungrateful for what they have done. I mean, why would they continue to do things for you if you don't even recognize it when they do them. Understand how important these demonstrations of love are. 
The Bible makes the point of how important it is not just to say that you love, but you demonstrate that love. 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So not only did God say that he loved you, but he demonstrated that love by sending his son to die for your sins. So when you demonstrate your love by doing something for your spouse, you're following the biblical model. And when you recognize and rejoice over those demonstrations, you are creating a point of common interest. So you have these demonstrations of love in common with each other. Number eight, work on your faith together. If you don't feel like you have anything in common, you can always work on your faith together. This is a great way to have something in common. Even if it seems like you don't have other things in common. Is there a greater thing to have in common than following the Lord together? So here are some ways you can work on your faith together. You can pray for each other. You can pray with each other. You can get on a Bible reading plan together. Reading through the book of Proverbs is a great way to start because you can read a chapter a day that corresponds with a chapter in Proverbs. So for instance, let's say today is the 12th day of the month. You would read Proverbs chapter 12. So you can either read that together or you can read it separately and talk about it, just being on the same page. Talk about things that God is doing in your life with your spouse. Talk about the things that you're praying about and maybe prayers that God has answered for both of you. You can go to church together. You can get involved in a ministry together. So by doing these things, you are not only building your faith, but you're developing some things that you have in common. Even if your spouse doesn't share your faith right now, by praying for them, you are developing an interest in their spiritual well-being and that connects you to them. And by showing them your faith, you can be instrumental in turning them to faith in Christ. So these are all things that you can have in common. If you know some more things or if some of these things have helped you, you're welcome to leave comments at fixeruppermarriage.org slash common. In summary, eight ways to find and develop things that you have in common. Number one, schedule time just to talk. Number two, Treat each other like best friends. Number three, start fresh in your relationship. Number four, try some new things together. Number five, get involved with the things that your spouse likes. Number six, reminisce over your relationship history. Number seven, recognize and rejoice over demonstrations of love. And number eight, work on your faith together. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If this episode was helpful to you, consider sharing it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.